G'day fans with a capital PH and welcome to episode 54 of X-Band the Phantom Podcast. Um, and for this episode we have got the best of 2016, the 80th year of the Phantom. And what a year it's been. Um, of course we've got uh, with me today Jermaine Parker. How are you going there Jermaine? Pretty good mate, pretty good, thank you. That's all right. And Dan? Uh, g'day, boys. Happy New Year to the pair of you, and I uh, hope you had a great holiday period and celebrated with loved ones and all the rest of it. It's been great. Yes, Merry Christmas, everyone. Yeah. So, Dan, is it is it true that you've uh, skipped the f- Christmas family holidays or something to record this? <laughs> that is commitment. <laughs> you've uh, thrown me under the bus there. Uh, <laughs> yes, the <laughs> we're spending a few weeks uh, down the Gold Coast in a caravan park at the moment, but I... Um, <laughs> <laughs> have taken the night off and I've wandered back up to Toowoomba where there's good internet, well, better internet, and uh, yeah, so I can talk to you boys and to the wider Phantom community. So yeah. I hope the uh, it's pouring rain down there under the tarp apparently. So. <laughs> and how many times have you listened to episode 53 there, Dan, with, uh, with the interview of um, Cy Barry? <laughs> Um, well, I am I'm working on transcribing that, so I've probably about eight so far. So. <laughs> I'm enjoying it no. every time, though. <laughs> and we, we have so, we've, we've got at least one uh, celebrity listener who, who who's listened to that interview and thought it was great. Um, thank you, Sammy J, for your feedback. Um, we look forward to catching up with you again this year. Yeah, yeah, and um, he, uh, <laughs> I hope his deck got painted really nicely <laughs> while he was listening. <laughs> you, you do have to look after your deck. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh. Now, um, we did one of these best of shows last year, um, so how we go, um, I'm sure you listened to it, Dan. Uh, yes, I did. Yep. 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 Um, I enjoyed that. It's, it's good. To, it's, um, it's, it was interesting then to, to realise how much goes on in a year, and um, you kind of forget what happened in, in January, February, March by the time you get to Christmas, So, mm. um, and even preparing for today, it's been an interesting process to go back over. Um, the last 12 months and think about everything that's happened um, and, and especially this year is such a big year with the 80th anniversary. Mm. And, and this is where the internet comes in really handy so you don't have to get your collections out of your um, out of storage. Um, you can just look up online and say, oh, yep, that's where the covers were, oh, those are what the, the stories are. So, yep, look, look after your website so, yeah, it makes it easier for us. Um, uh, yeah. I didn't, Fan didn't occur to me. Phantom <laughs> Wiki got a... Uh... Fan of Wiki's your friend that got uh got got a fair bit of uh, usage from my end today. <laughs> uh, whereas I've been flicking through um, folders and long boxes and whatnot, so it didn't even occur to me to go on Fan and Wiki. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're too old school, mate. <laughs> Focused. <laughs> and, and and some of us are uh, still playing with our kids and stuff like that. We have a neglect. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I had to leave the Gold Coast at uh, 7.30 this morning to, to be back here for today, so it was very important that I used the time wisely. <laughs> uh, Okie dokie. So we'll kick, the, we'll kick the, um, the show off with the best Fru cover of 2016. Um, now, for those listening and trying to keep score, uh, these are from issues 1745, which was the Snake Ring, through to 1772, which was the Christmas special. Um, and you'll note that that's 28 issues, um, just a few short from the, from the usual 31, but um, with all that happened at the beginning of the year, we're not going to um, press on that. 
So, from uh, issue 1745 to 1772, what do you reckon there, Dan? What, what will be your best through cover of 2016? Well, the one that I was the happiest to see was 1745, the snake ring, because it had been months since we'd seen a through, and just to see it was very, very exciting. So, um, to see Jerry McPherson's image there on the, on the front of, of Snake Ring was very, very exciting. Um, but, um, look, I probably found this the hardest category of all to, to split, and we've been absolutely spoiled for choice. I'm not going to go through all of the, um, uh, you know, my, the, my final five or whatever because I don't want to um, take anything away from what you guys might be about to say. Um, but having said what I just said about revisiting January, February, March, etc. I think my favourite cover for the year is 1772, the last one, which would be Sal Valudo's, um double punch, good mark, skull mark, on the, uh, on the Christmas special and as, a, as the wraparound cover. Just magnificent. A number of people have said, and I'd agree, that this would look wonderful as a, as a poster. Um, I was probably coloured a little bit by the fact that at Christmas I gave my two daughters uh, a good mark pendant each, which is another um, shout out to Sammy J, I suppose. Um, and then to have the good mark on the front cover of the Christmas special, which my son got for Christmas, I think that was um, that all tied together really, really nicely for me. But it's a wonderful image, and um, yeah, that was that was my that was my pick of the Fru covers for the year. So the the non Christmas Christmas special. There's a sprig of holly on the fruit. <laughs> uh, and, and what about you, Janine? Um, well, I had three, but one of them is the same as you, so I'll let you talk about that one. Um, and I got two. There was a couple of others, but these two were the standouts for me. Um, 1748, which was the Paul Ryan tribute. Um, in my opinion, the black and white, uh, it worked very well. Um, I still prefer the back cover image than the front cover image, but the whole comic was a brilliant one, which we, um, which I'm sure we all agree on. But in my opinion, the the comic, the the, the concept of using the black and white uh, worked because for those I don't know for the, if any of you has actually went and brought it at the newsagent or not, but it popped in at the newsagent. It um, it stood out against everything else. Um, it it was, a sim in a sense, a simplistic image, but it worked quite well. Um, and it just, yeah, I was just very impressed with it. Um, and then the other one would be 1751, which was the uh, first Phantom's World uh, comic that we got, which was the one by Angelo Todora, I think it is. Um, that's the other one. Just That's 1753, This is probably the one, dude. Oh, 1753? Yeah. I was going to say, 1751 is the Collector's Replica Series number seven, yeah, and I, I, uh, I'm staggered. That, yeah. That you... <laughs> yeah, no, it's not 751 then. Let me quickly let me quickly change those notes as well. 1753. 17... No, that's <laughs> Felmang's Phantom on a Camel. Yeah. Is it? Oh, man. Oh. All right. Let me quickly go to. See, Phantom. I've got my folders here in front of me, oh, and I can just click. 1761. 1761. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 1761, which is the um, Venus of the Jungle, which was the uh, first Phantoms world. This is almost the opposite of the Paul Ryan one, where it's very busy. There's a lot going on. There's jungle, 
There's baddies, there's the Phantom, there's the Scantling Clad Girl, um, you know, there's the title, there's the Phantom's World, there's the all the byline extras. So it's interesting that my two favorite, well, two of the three of my favorites are total contrast. You know, one's super simple, and the other one's, um, what do you call it? Um, super simple, but it just in my opinion, they just work quite quite nicely. Mm. Yeah, good. Um, well, the third one that's on your list and the one that I've put as my favourite is 1762, The Mark of Cain, uh, which is done by Jamie Johnson. And yeah, I just love that image of, of the Phantom just knocking the bad guy out, you know, cutting through, you've got flames in the background, you've got these boxes that are just being, you know, strewn around. Um, and I, I just think it's a very powerful Im- image um, there for the front. And then you turn to the back and you, know, you see the bad guy being skull marked. But, um, yeah, the way he's got the Phantom and the... Um, and the, and the board dude there, um, once again, it's just showing the um, the anger of the fan or, or you know the, the power. This is a bloke you don't mm. mess with. Um, mm. And and you know, Joe's the art uh, major here, but I, I really like the way it's been drawn. Um, and a, oh, there was another one I was going to have a quick little shout out. So just just yeah. on that, do you think an angry phantom works good for a cover? I, I like an angry fan every now and then. Let's like, um, with our criticisms of uh, of Bade or, or Bade or, or whoever pronounces his name, I like the way he does an angry phantom. Um, but you can't have an angry phantom all the time, you know. He's he's a family man. He's he's got to have the jokes and the lighthearted. But um, mm. it, it's good. And to, that's my to argument for up. the Christmas cover, I think. Hmm. Mm. Um, but also like um. I'll put in a special mention for the special supernova um, issue, something that's mm. been done for, well, that I know of, um, with the jam cover there. Um, 1755. 1755, the, the supernova issue. Um, I think it's uh, very well done. Um, I'm very happy to have a signed copy of that one. Um, thanks, Jermaine. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's a, a very close second. I'm glad you mentioned that because that was certainly on my um, and you have between those four were were the other four in my oh well the the Christmas special the Paul Ryan the Jam cover and Marker Kane were also in my top five. I'd also um, give a shout out to Shane Foley for his work. He's done three covers this year, which were 1754 Nat Turner Spirit Part Four, 1757 Nat Turner Spirit Part Six, and 1768 Fish War. Um, Fish War was the fifth in my top five, and um, as a, as a group of three, I think that Shane Foley's work this year for someone who's who's new to the doing covers for Fru, um, those three just really stand out and, and are, are fantastic issues um, and covers in them in their own right. Exactly, it's probably been, Fishwall, yeah. yeah, it's probably been the strongest year of Fru covers for for probably donkey's years. It's, it's just um, been incredible. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. It's not, it's not like we didn't like any of the other covers. They're just... It was, no. it was a very hard one to, to, to pick between. Yeah. Normally, it's... Like, I know I've you know done this on the podcast before and I've, you know, done it... I think, you know, I've done it for other discussions and stuff. It's, you know, normally we all have the same one or two because, <laughs> you know, there's... Um, they're the only one or two standouts. <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. And and like you know, like you think about it, like names like Foley, um, Antonio Lemos, Glenn Ford, um, you know, Chalinor. Yeah, Chalinor. They they didn't even get a um a mention or even filming as well for yeah. you know. Um, they didn't even and Lindsay get a, Walker with her with her one. Yeah, you know they didn't even get a mention. Yeah. Um, which is you know quite interesting because. Well, any well other any other year, year the nineteen forty three covers would um would pretty much take it, I reckon. Mm. Yeah. And and we haven't even mentioned um seventeen sixty three the eightieth special which you know was specially embossed and all the rest of it which is is never been done before so. Mm. Uh, like I said right at the start of this, spoilt for choice. We really were. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's uh, the Fru covers. Um, best non-Fru cover of 2016. Uh, Jermaine, how would you like to go with this one? All right. Um, I've gone for an Egmont cover on this one. Um, again, we were quite um, spoilt for choice because there's been a few other ones out there. Um, but mine would have to be Phantom Men, so the Swedish one, number 16, which is uh, which is done by Sal Valido. And it's actually like a, I don't know if replica is the right word, but it's like a replica style cover um, in a sense that it's, and Sal's done this a few times this year. I think he's done two or three in um, uh, this year where, it's um, hang on, sorry, I've written down the wrong number again. Yeah, it's actually <laughs> uh, Phantom Man six seven. Um, so, so what it is, it's um, uh, it's inspired by the works of Jamie Valouf, and it's um, where the Phantom's tied up in chains, and they've got uh, Sala. Um, protecting him. It's taken out of the first Phantom story, you know, when Sala protects um, mm. the Phantom who's tied up with the, chains and he's got Kabai yeah. Singh um, uh, in the foreground of it. So that's the um, uh, that's the cover that I probably chose as my favourite non-free one for this year. Oh, thanks, Jermaine. Um, so, from um, my liking... Um, I don't have um, a subscription to Phantom Men, so I, I kind of um, didn't look at those much. Um, but I, I have been picking up the King's Quest, you know, the dynamite stuff. So um, I've picked King's Quest number five, cover B. And the reason why I like this, I think it's um, like reminiscent of, of DC's Justice League, where but instead of having you know, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman and all that, Lined up, we've got um, the, the King's Quest crew um, with Phantom um, taking like a leadership role um, in the centre of the frame. Uh, oh, another thing I should say is that instead of being um, a portrait style, it's landscape, so it's on its side, um, which um, also helps to, to distinguish it amongst uh, the rest of them. Um, but I, I just I really like this cover, and it's a, a cover that I would like like. You said um, earlier with the with the Christmas issue, um, Dan. I'd love to have this as a poster on my wall. Um, mm. It's just that sort of image. Um, what about you, Dan? Your best non-fru um, cover? 
Yeah, I must say, I because I'm not um, into, I, I don't follow the Egmont series as well, so that um, that was out for mine. Uh, any, any of the Egmont stuff, um, and I did have a look at. I remember you talking about it when it came out, King's Quest Five, about that cover, and I did go back and have another look at that. I think, I think it's, it's a shame that um, uh, Jen didn't appear, appear in that one. It's it's just uh, it's Lothar as the Phantom. I, I'm not sure how that would look with Jen in there in, in, as well. Um, anyway, um, so, I'm so look past that. yeah, fair enough, fair enough. I see it why. Makes it better, right? Look, <laughs> Perhaps. nothing against Jen. Jen no. has really come into her own now in the last couple of. Um, she has. So, um, and and yeah. by King's Quest Five, she had. So mm. yeah. Well, once you get um, across, she's doing well. This is my. So I had two. I've only listed one here, but I've, I had two. My second place um, was actually a King's Quest as well. Um, uh, King's Quest One cover D, uh, which is actually the little cartoon kids uh, version. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, that's good, yeah. Just because I um, – yeah, it, it's something completely different. Um, so I really enjoyed the, the quirkiness of that um, and quite fun. And uh, interestingly in this, so it's King Quest 1, um, Jen is on the cover and she says, my first drafts suck. And I think that, um, <laughs> that, that maybe summarises her in a nutshell. But anyway, um, my actual my actual number one and my favourite non-fruit cover of 2016 is the Dublin Comic Con 80th anniversary special release, um, Tales of the Ghost Who Walks. So I really I really like the cover of that. The way you've got the the Phantom stalking down the stairs, Devils at his heels, um, into the Skull Cave or, or a chamber of the Skull Cave, presumably. And I just love the 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 depth that is provided by the the faces of the tombs there or whatever they are and um, the, the, the colour, the way that it sort of disappears down into the page. So I really enjoyed that cover. Mm. It's an underrated comic in my opinion. Yeah, I think so. It, it stands up on, on re-readings. It, you know, as long as you appreciate it for what it is, um, yeah, you don't go into it thinking true. that it's going to be anything... Well, as long as you appreciate it for what it is. It's uh, some some tales of the Ghost to, Ghost to Walks, mm. some interpretations from... Um, authors who don't uh, spend a lot of time with the Phantom and there's some one-page or four-frame stories and, yeah, I quite like it. Yeah, no, I thought I was very happy with it. Hmm. Excellent. Okay, so what about the best through issue of 2016? I think we can all agree on this. I reckon if, we, if I do a countdown, we're all going to say the same thing. <laughs> right, so the best through issue of 2016, three, two, one... The 80th anniversary. The 80th. 2016 annual special. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> oh, damn, damn, damn. Look, oh, I... Yeah. <laughs> well, you go, you, you go first, Stephen. You tell us why you liked the 80th. Oh, I didn't actually write that down. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, what I like, I like having all these tales from... Um, all, all around the world, um, and just seeing Phantom as um, as our international um, as a, as an international fan would see the Phantom. Um, mm. I thought it was a great little showpiece for what um, we can expect with Phantom's world. Um, it was great to see through trying new things um, with the cover, uh, with the colour, um, with the pro story, um, having the, um, the the 80 year history um, put in there as well. Um, which just reminds me I haven't read that, so I'd better go do that. 
Um, little advertisement there with the cards just to whet our appetite. But, you know, it, it was excellent. I think we all gave it a you know, high mark. So, um, yeah, was, I, for my money, it's definitely the best free issue of 2016. With, and I'll, I'll add that the Paul Ryan tribute issue was a very close second. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Dan? I, I, I would go. agree with everything you've just said. And I'm probably being a bit tongue-in-cheek by saying the, the 2016 annual special, but I would like to give it a shout-out. The, uh, the 80th was probably the best crew of the year um, for all of the reasons that you've just said, and, and I did really enjoy that genuinely. Um, there are a few stories that missed the mark, but um, as, a, as an overall package, it was excellent um, for everything that you've just said. But... Um, I think the 2016 annual special still deserves a, a mention. It's got, by the time you include the reprint, there's eight Lee Fork stories um, and oh, some absolute gorgeous. classics. Well, they, they're brilliant stories. <laughs> the Hand to Witch, Little Toma, Mr. Hogg, um, Lady from Nowhere, um, The Vandal Looters, they're all absolute classics. And, and some of those earlier ones in particular establish the Phantom as, yeah. as who he is. Um, it's got wasn't the, it eight the, years from like wasn't it like a a um a story from every um like decade? Uh, well, no. Um, it. No, I'm talking about the annual, not the. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah the annual said eight eight decades, eight stories, but there were double ups. So there was two stories from the eighties, for instance, and um. Oh no, no, but, you're right. You're no, absolutely right. Yeah, no, sorry. The the annual, the yes, idea. the annual special was genuinely one from every decade, and uh, so because of that, um, we got Ray Moore. We got a Ray Moore story, two Wilson McCoys, three Cy Barrys, one Fred Fredericks, a Terry Beatty, um, and um, all written by Lee Fork, except for the last one, which was by Tony DePaul. And um, so, as a package, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed that, and I think. Um, you know what, I think if I was, if, if there was a, a new reader to the Phantom who wanted to know what the Phantom was about, I'd probably hand them this one instead of the 80th yeah. Um, well, special. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the beauty of our annuals. Um, it's like, like, for instance, there's this, um, uh, there's this kid that go that, um, uh, goes to the same church as me. He's, you know, a bit of, um, bit of a loner, enjoys reading comics. So, you know, I got him. Uh, you know, three or four annuals, some of the spares, and just, you know, let him read those. And, you know, it had, you know, they had the new stories, they had the old stories, and, you know, and he loved them. It was, it was a great, um, uh, you know, it's a, it is, it's a great introduction to the Phantom, the annuals. Mm. Very good. Like anything else? But you, you would have said, sorry? You would have said the 80th, though, Jermaine? Yeah, I would have said the 80th is the best for all the reasons, especially the ones uh, that Stephen Stephen said. Um, not really anything that I could probably add. Um, I guess probably colour as well. Um, you know, it's probably another reason what what made it work well. But um, yeah, it's probably not much more to say from what Stephen's already said. Cool. Right, um, best non-fruit issue of 2016, Dan. This is a cheeky one because I get to talk first, but I pinched Jermaine's idea um, <laughs> in the sense that uh, I thought that the best non-fruit issue of the year was uh, from Hermes um, and their trade paperback of the Danger in the Forbidden, Ser- uh, Danger in the Forbidden City. Um, the I, hardcover or the softcover? Oh well, I was lucky enough to pick up the hardcover. Um, I don't have a I don't have a softcover version, and I really I really like the hardcover version. I like the 
the weight of it and the feel of it in your hands or like the um the image on the front of it which is different from the soft cover um it's a it's a really good story which i think got lost in the the fact that it was released over such a long period of time um and the extra editorials and the behind the scenes stuff that dan hermes and Salvaludo provided for the the trade paperback were excellent as well so um we have I, I did put up a video review of that on um our youtube channel so people can check that out there but yeah i really i really enjoyed that and um the 2016 non-fruit that that's the winner for mine mm. yeah that was my winner as well that was my winner as well the hard cover not the soft cover because as much as I lo- uh, really enjoy that image of cells, it's probably you know one of the better covers of last year. It's it was great to see a new take on the story, um, and you're right that this the the story reads so much better when you read the whole lot mm. as one. I just I just recently did that probably oh, about a month ago. Um, just reread you know the whole story, and it reads so much better. Mm. Uh, is there much more of a difference uh, other than the cover between the um, hard cover and the soft cover? Uh, apart no, from I think I think that's the only soft thing. Cover? No. The different different um, image on the front, and then obviously the uh, the cardboard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is the the one um, the one thing that normally I would have said probably the Egmont one of the Egmont specials, especially for the Egmont 80th, but um have to say that the um, the Egmont 80th was not probably as good as the um, uh, as what I was kind of expecting or hoping. And um, yeah, the Hermes one is, in my opinion, um, uh, a better comic. And Fru actually also probably did a better um, 80th special comic than what Egmont does did this year, which doesn't you know, which in the recent history you probably couldn't say so. So well done, fruit. Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I've seen your review of the of the Hermes trade there, Dan. But um, yeah, I actually don't have it, and I'm gonna go against you guys, and I don't like the story. Like I, I, and I even you know got all the issues and sat down and read them all at once, and I don't like it. I, I think that the Phantom comes off second rate in it, and um, the other bloke mm. um, becomes the hero, and yeah, I, I, I didn't like it. Um, so that doesn't get. I think that's a fair criticism. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. So that yeah, so I disregarded that. Um, I also disregard the um, the dynamite stuff because that's pretty much what I my any other non-fruits that I get. Um, but I don't think they they've been that great, especially um, seeing he's got a shared billing with you know four other people. Um, Mm. so I'm going to go with the only other um non-fruit. Um, Phantom-related book that I got this year, and that would be the um, Hermes Avon novel, even though I haven't read it yet. But I really <laughs> like the fact that they're putting these things out, and I can't wait for the next one. So it's it's done at Bradbury and, and won by default. <laughs> won by default, yeah. <laughs> That's it. And also, like, I don't, don't get the Egmont, so... Um, but by the sound of it, I want yeah, but- it so much. Does the Egmont, like, even if you don't get them, I think you can still have it as a favourite uh, comic book cover or something like that, but maybe that's a discussion we'll have later. Mm-hmm. Well, I am looking forward to getting the Avon novels at some point, the, the Hermes one. I haven't picked any of them up yet, but um, you've shared a couple of photos of yours, Stephen, and uh, I really like the look of it and, and 
think they'll look they'll look great on the shelf when I when I am able to pick them up. Yeah, especially with the slipcover. I'm waiting on Fans Vault to uh, get them in and and start selling them. Yeah. Yeah, no, but I think everyone's looking forward to that one. Okay, the best. They're, they're a bit uh, they're a bit slow on the release though, aren't they? The the shouldn't I'm the second one have been out by now? Um, I thought they were coming out every. Two this months, is Herms. Yeah. Yeah. I've probably got a chance to start reading the novel now. That'll probably take me a little while. And by the time I'm finished, it'll, it'll be out. Um, ah, best writer of 2016, Jermaine. All right. Um, probably Jeff Parker for what he's doing with Dynamite. Um, I like his stuff. Don't like the other stuff that the Dynamite writers are doing, but Jeff Parker seems to get it more right than wrong on, you know, 90% of the time. And he um, he also found that with his writings, you know, it must be hard having, you know, several key characters to write about. But I think he, like, he um, he does good in, uh, in like, sharing the spotlight across them all. And, um, and yeah, it's a really, you know, really, really keen on the stuff that he does. And then the other one was... Um, uh, probably be Philip Maiden for his um, Mark of Cain story. Mm. Um, I have to agree with you with with Parker. Um, you can definitely see the difference between um, the recent King's Quest and uh, now King's Cross. Um, even though it's the, the big heading is Flash Gordon King's Cross, um, you, it really doesn't need that Flash Flash Gordon um, billing because um, it's just a continuation. I think it's. Yeah, I think they mainly do that because they don't have the, you know, because Herms is, I think, and I'm not not 100% sure, so I could be wrong, but I think a lot of it seeing they don't have, you know, like the licence to be able to do it as the Phantom. But no, I like reckon they, they should have, just call it King's Cross. I don't think it needs to be yeah, any character. But I reckon, I reckon, yeah, I, I reckon it's got something to do with the fact that they've got the rights for Flash Gordon, but they've got limited rights to the Phantom. And that's why it's under Flash Gordon's King's Cross rather than, you know, um, you know, standalone or something. Yeah, I reckon that's what it's got to do. I could be wrong, but you know. Yeah, and sometimes we are, but I still reckon you can tell the difference between the the King's Quest series and these first couple of issues of um of King's Cross, and that's oh, down to um, Parker. Yeah, the quality. Mm. And, yeah, the balance that it gives all the characters. Um, however, he's not my favourite writer for, for this year. Um, I like Nat, the, the Nat Turner stories, um, but I don't want to give it to Ramirthy because of what he did with the Sing War. Um, <laughs> no so, wonder he doesn't want to come on this podcast and do an interview with us. <laughs> what did you say when, when that issue came out? Come in, come in off the long run? <laughs> you get the bounces all the, the whole time. Um he wouldn't That's know really what bounces are yeah. because uh, he probably wouldn't know what bounces are because he's um. Well, he wrote about cricket cricket. story. He couldn't bloody. He tried well. to. <laughs> well, I don't know if that was the writer or whether it was the artist. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking yeah. it was probably more the artist. We'll, we'll, come on, you can't. I don't know if you can uh, blame uh, him for that one. Oh yeah. Um, but for my mind, I'm tossing up between Madden for Mark of Cain and. Uh, worker for Fishwall. Um, even though there was, there was mm. some issues there with, you know, instead of being a, the, the, the Mori, it was, was it the, the Wombezi and the, um, and the, um, Longo. Longo. Um, 
I still really enjoyed the story. Um, yeah. And then there's a number of others very close behind. Like, just going through the, the story, um, where'd they go? Um, you know, there's 1943, there, there's, um, uh, The Crying Idol and, um, Art Collector and Predators Road. I actually put those guys up there. And Longo's Annual, just because, for sheer entertainment, you know, it was a light-hearted story and, um, yeah, that was a nice, fun story. So I, I really put that one up there. Um, so, but I'm going to go... <laughs> Sit on the fence with the two. Actually, I nearly <laughs> said Nat Turner just because I really like the story. But um, I'll go. I'll go Mark of Cain because I really. I, I thought that was an excellent story. Mm. So Philip Madden for you as well. So yeah. So Dan. They need to get more of him. He's um. He's he was. Great. He's been. He's. I think he was their best rider last year as well. With um. Or the year before with the um. Medicine Man's daughter. I think was it Medicine Man's daughter. No, that's Goran Sam. Yeah, that's Goran Sam. Um, he did another one, was it last year or the year before as well, that, um, uh, that was up there with the votes as well. So there's a couple of riders there that I need to get more of. Imagine imagine how good we'd think he was if um, Prue actually just used his original English script rather than waiting until after it had uh-huh. been translated back into Swedish and then back into English. Yeah. Um, so, Dan... Yeah, for me, I would go Tony DePaul um, for the work that he's done with the dailies and the um, Sundays this year. And I completely understand the criticism you levelled at him earlier in the year, uh, Stephen. On another occasion, you came in off the long run um, <laughs> <laughs> when when you were critical of re- reading the um, eh? reading the Christmas special. It didn't seem as bad. It was still yeah really bad. But I was just yeah. gonna say the same. Yeah. But, yeah, and and look, well, I, I hadn't I hadn't been following them as much in the dailies on a daily basis uh, as what you do, um, but I really enjoyed uh, the Paul Ryan special, and I wasn't sure whether I was allowed to count that one, um, Terror's Mutiny, because that was a 2014 story. In the same way that I wasn't sure whether the, the Don and Vanels and and um, those sorts of stories that Fru published this year, which but were originally sort of 1980 stories, I tried. To, to stick to things that were published or for the first time this year. Um, and so I came back to, to um, Tony DePaul and, uh, yeah, the Christmas special, I, I sat down and read that over two or three days and I really enjoyed the, the three stories that he had in that. Um, the, they all flowed together well. Um, it was a really good um, evolution of the character and, and the family of the Phantom Um uh, with with enough action scenes thrown in that uh, that it was that it was entertaining on on both counts I thought so for me um, so with Terrace Mutiny which Fru did but also Battlements of the Nomad uh, Twins Futures and Father to Son um, all of which were in the the Christmas special um, I'd give it to Tony DePaul. They do read better as um, they do read better as comic book stories rather than newspaper stories in my opinion. And, and I might also add that there's a story missing between the, those two dailies in the um, in the Christmas special. So oh, is it? There is. So um, it's one where he goes. But it had nothing to do with the story, did it? Um, it, it was still more of a, um, a continuation. You, you'll see in the first story where he's talking with Rex, and Rex says he's got an issue that needs to be dealt with, 
Ah, uh, yeah, I remember. Dr. Baron Khan. And then I think one oh, of the okay. first couple of panels of the of the third story, you know, is um, uh, Diana saying, oh, while you're in Baron Khan, you know, something something rather. So, though it, it does read well the way Fru have done it, and, um, yeah. and, and I agree with you, my criticism still stands. Um, that stretched out for far too long on the dailies, and I got bored to tears. Mm. Um, mm. However, the Sundays, I'm really enjoying the Sundays. Um, like that Sunday that they included really matches well with those dailies. And um, mm. the Sundays, the current Sundays, we've got, um, uh, looks like the Yakuza versus the Mafia and Phantom somehow in, in between it. You know, there's always something going on. He's been knocking out um, uh, some goons in the last probably month and but he knows that there's um um or some type of ninja on, on the grounds as well who who's been he's been avoiding um so yeah i'm i look forward to every sunday afternoon when um it finally goes up online so i can read that one mm. something to look forward to this year however we're mm. not talking well about hopefully this year, that um that baron khan uh story goes up uh through publishes that sometime in 2017 hopefully oh sooner rather than later i'd hope just to tighten mm. the screws a little bit more on them. <laughs> um, yeah, well, it's, and I think this is a letter that I wrote to um, to through either last year or whatever it was that I, that I did it. Um, that the 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 period of time from um, stories appearing in the paper to when they're appearing in through seems to be quite long. Um, hasn't been for that that last. Um, yeah, the Twins Futures or, or, you know, from Father to Son, whatever that one was. Um, you know, they got that out pretty quick. Um, but, you know, that's not always the case. So that, if I was looking forward for something in 2017, it'd be to get, you know, the, the dailies and Sundays into into the book format as, as soon as possible. Hmm. But like I said, we're not talking about 2017, we're talking about 2016. And <laughs> Try it. Back on track. <laughs> so the best artist for 2016, and I think this is a tight one, between Saviuk, of course, for the 1943 story, and Lepinen for Nat Turner. And, um, I think last year I said it was a tight one between Saviuk and it was a Henrik Larsen, um, with Saviuk coming in second. And I'm going to give it to Saviuk. Um, I'm going to give second prize to Saviuk again because I just love the way that Lepinen uses the blacks in that, in that Nat Turner story. Dan. He might, he might think that you're losing your man crush over him. Oh no, I've already <laughs> the um the Saviour cover um coming up next issue, I think. Um, I've already <laughs> uh, put my email into through saying I'd like a signature series copy of that one. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, very um, good. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I definitely have not lost lost my man crush on on, on Saviour. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think, um, uh, look, I I agree with uh, what you said there about Gary Lappin and, and the art he did for the Nat Turner series. That was phenomenal. Um, and I think it reproduced really well in black and white in the, the frues. Um, it, it was really, really good. Um, however, I'm going to give it to Sal Valuto for the art, so uh, for the artwork that he did in the um, Danger to the, in the Forbidden City series for Hermes. Um, I think that it's a really... Uh, clear and bold version of the Phantom, and, and every every panel that has the Phantom in it, it is just um, a really really well rendered copy. And I was probably swayed. What got him over the line in the end was the um, uh, the cover for the Christmas special. Again, I keep coming back to that. 
um, which was which was absolutely striking and really enjoyed that one. So Salvaluto for me. Okay. Jermaine, anyone different for you? Yeah, I do actually. Um, echo pretty much what everyone's said with their um, uh, with their artists, and but I'm going for a bit of a newcomer. Um, I'm going to butcher his name. It's uh, Raphael or Rafa, as is uh, Ruiz. Uh, he's a, the Spanish guy who has done the work for The Mark of Cain and Nuclear Terror. Um, Mark of Cain is the story that we've already talked a fair bit about with the writer and the cover artist for Fruit, but also um, Nuclear Terror, which was the in the ADF special. Um, I remember when we were recently, when we were doing the reviews on the um, on previous podcasts, we were talking about how his work almost looks like a Alex Silviak's. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I just really like the work that he's brought out, and I reckon um, uh, I look forward to seeing some more of his stuff. And it's it, it looks good in in color, but also in black and white, and I think. You know, previously you could only really tell that if you've actually get the Egmont stories, but this year we were, we were, you know, able to see that that you know his art does look good in black and white and in colour. So um, with the 80th, so you know, that's probably my best one for 2016. And, and that's important for the Australian fan, as you know, most of our issues are black and white, but with um, mm. giving us the colour, um, yeah, we're now seeing it in two ways, which is which is excellent for us. Yeah, and I think, you know, especially because, um, and we've discussed this countless times on the podcast, where the Egmont stories is from about, I think it's from about 94 or mid-90s, has been created for colour, where previously it's been done, you know, it was done for black and white. So, you know, some of the other stories like uh, Fish War, uh, the Art Collector um, and the Longo's Amulet, which we got this year, they were all originally done for black and white, where the newest the newest stories have always been done for colour. And um, so you can, you know, you can tell the difference because, you know, there's more blacks in the black and white and there's more empty space in the newer stories because colour is designed or the artist has design, drawn it uh, for colour to fill in some of the... Um, fill in some of the gaps instead of having to use uh, black and white shades and stuff. So, yeah, it's, I think it's um, that's one, another advantage of having a couple stories in, in colour because it gives uh, it gives the reader, us, uh, a bit of an insight of how, you know, the fandom can look and, and stuff. And that and that would speak entirely to what Cy Barry was saying in the interview we did with him about um, how complicated it was to get colour, um, you know, Pre, pre the internet, pre computer um, publishing and that sort of thing. Whereas now it's uh, a, a whole lot easier to do. Mm. Okay, now we've got a special category here for um, for the 80th year, and that's the best 80th anniversary collectible or merchandise. Um, we've got a number to choose from, like coins, stamp set, uh, Bradford, uh, Glenford print, Perth bullion coin, uh, pop vinyl stamps, Bradford coins. Um, Dan, what's been the best 8th anniversary collectible merchandise type stuff for your money? Um, I was, 
I probably was a bit sad that there wasn't more to choose from, to be honest. Um, and, and I'll really? probably yeah, touch on this. Probably had a good choice. Yeah, it's it's a big deal. The 80th, I would have thought. No, I'm just surprised that there wasn't wasn't a bit more out there and um, that was labelled 80th and all the rest of it. Um, look, out of out of what came out and was labelled 80th anniversary and that sort of thing, I did enjoy the. Um, I liked the the great pop vinyl, um, nice and affordable and all the rest of it. Um, I, but for my choice of the best 80th anniversary collectible, I've probably surprised myself and settled on the Perth Bullion coin. Um, it maybe I, I surprised myself because I, I got it and I was sort of um, don't tell work, but I actually purchased that in the middle of a class while I was uh, supposed to be supervising <laughs> an exam. But um, <laughs> uh, so it was a bit of an impulse buy and um, don't tell work, uh, don't tell the wife. Um, but I I was really pleasantly surprised with how the 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 skull cave stand or or packaging that it was in came out I thought that looked a bit dicky online but it it actually doesn't look too bad um, up on the shelf there and uh, with the the green eyes and all the rest of it and the coin um, you know when you when you can price it out of the the packaging um, is nice and yeah, heavy. Yeah, how do you get it out of the um, skull cave? Because I got mine the other day, and um, the wife and her friend who were over was like, oh, is there anything on the back? And I tried <laughs> for about five minutes, and I just thought, there is, but you're not seeing it. <laughs> no, <laughs> you've got to be very careful and use some of those um, very small screwdrivers. I'll um, Maybe maybe I should do a video review and, and try and demonstrate how, how I've done that without trying to scratch things too much. I don't do it often, that's for sure. Mm, I wonder if anyone's actually like broken it or scratched it or something trying to get oh, it. Oh no doubt, I guarantee you that people would have done that. None of them are going to admit to it, but um, yeah, no, that would definitely have happened. <laughs> Will you admit to it now, Dan? Uh, I've put a tiny little mark that you can't really see um, when I when I first had a crack at it, but now I know what to do. So, <laughs> and I've put the coin back in the other way. So. <laughs> Uh, I liked. Um, oh, sorry. There was a there was a, a guy who brought two, so he can um, put yes. the, the back of the coin the other way, so you can like see what the back is without having to redo it. He's got more money than me. <laughs> <laughs> or he doesn't have kids in high school. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, for me, you? yeah. Again, the coin. I um I only just recently got mine. Um, it was a bit of a uh, a coin, a bit of a Christmas type of present from the missus. Um, so I only recently got it. But, um, yeah, again, I always thought that the skull looked campy and a bit kitschy, and, um, but I was really impressed with it. really liked the packaging. Um, and, yeah, I was impressed with it as well. But probably the other thing that I really liked would be the, uh, the stamp set, um, which was actually released around the ADF, so most mm. people have forgotten about it. No, it but um, the, the thing that I like about that, and with the coin, and even with the coin and stamp set, is that it had the appeal, same as with the pop vinyl, it had the cross-collector appeal. So in a sense that it was an item that Phantom fans are going to buy, but other collectors are going to buy as well for their collection, whether they collect pop vinyls whether they're a stamp collector or even whether they're a coin collector as well, is, you know, it had that 
and I think that I think that was a a good thing that they had done is they were bringing out items which have got that cross-platform appeal. Mm. Um, so yeah, so they're they're probably my two. Um, with you know one because they were great, they were good items, uh, but also because of the cross-platform appeal. So you must have loved getting the um, stamp and coin set together then. Uh, to be honest, I did have the opportunity to buy that, um, um, mainly through a, a friend who um, uh, who worked for Australia Post and stuff like that. But um, we got a uh, a big bill and, uh, that we weren't at the wrong time. So, yeah, so like you know, all we had to do was ring up and you know, and we had it, and it was. I made the right. I made the you know. I made the right husband call. You oh, you've been right. a grown up. <laughs> yeah, I didn't make the right collector call, but I made the right <laughs> husband slash grown up call and decided to pay the bill um, and feed the family instead of instead of getting it. Yeah, that's Fair probably, the, probably the right choice. Um, I, I've picked. Um, stamps as well that we've already spoken about and um, and the pop vinyl um, and to go on what you're saying yeah bills and all that sort of stuff the, these two things are very gettable for the fan and like you said they've got the crossover appeal I finally got the um, the grey pop vinyl the other day um, we had a new pop culture shop open up here in, in Ballarat um, I walked in there said I wanted this they were able to get it in from another shop and um yeah, so I didn't have to pay for postage, which um, I was very happy about. So um, I've got yeah. four pop vinyls sitting there on my um, on my CD case with the um, beside those um, book boxes that I got from Mishka. So um, it's, it's looking good up there now. So th- that was and that was um, eighth anniversary themed uh, collectible uh, collectible. So um, now we're looking at best non 80th anniversary collectible of merchandise released in 2016. Um, so this is just you know, fan and merch um, with with um, it just having to be released this year. It's got nothing to do with the 80th year. So um, and there's a number of, uh, of things to choose from here too. I, I won't go through everything. We'll, we'll, we'll say oh no, we'll, I can go through. Go through everything. All right. Um, so we've got the box and trunks that um, has anyone actually got those in Australia yet, or they're still over overseas? Um, I've brought a set, but they're still sitting in the US that will be posted in the next week or two, so... Okay. Um, but no, I won't be modelling them for you, Stephen, <laughs> sorry. Uh, the Melon Diary. The journal, I thought the journal was actually 80th anniversary branded, but I could be wrong. Um, yeah. Wicked Candle, which came out just right at the end of the, end of the year. Uh, the Fanfare Puzzles, uh, the Bradford Welcome Sign, the Phantom Art Show products, Folio, uh, and things that um, and including that uh, 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 the um, like the uh, what do you call it? Is that the um, well the catalog type of thing? Yeah. The snakes and ladders the, um, games, the postcards. Yeah. And... Yeah. Uh, there's been folio sets released by Fru. We've got Voodoo Witch Doctor uh, model re-release, Icon Hero statue, Wicked Lamp. What's that Wicked Lamp Hero? That's the second one, isn't it? Is that released this year? The one with the phantom, like the phantom head. Ah, oh, when yeah, when it says hero here, I'm thinking a horse. I mean, I haven't seen a, a, a <laughs> hero themed land. Um, yes. Anyway, there's Jermaine, been a few this year, hasn't there? Oh, there's been it's been great. 
Um, I, I don't even have all of those either. I'm looking at them and I, you know, don't have the Wicked Candle, don't have the Bradford stuff, um, don't have my snakes and ladders yet. Um, I've got the journals, don't but have, um, that's not what I said yeah. was the best one. That's the only thing I've got. <laughs> but, um, so even though like they're not 80th anniversary, I think I think a lot of them did kind of... Um, like It was good to see a few of these items coming out because it's been... It's, you know, going back five years, it was pretty um, uh, it was pretty sparse. So to have, you know, 10, 20 different items that you can buy, apart from the comics, it's been a good year. Mm. Um, but mine would be the Icon Hero statue, the puzzle or the candle. I'm, for various reasons, I'm getting the Hero statue, pick, actually picking it up tomorrow. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. I've been, been uh, waiting all week to kind of get that, so pretty stoked about that. Um, really like the puzzles because I, I thought they were like great um, Christmas present ideas. Um, there's something you can do with the family, uh, which I think is always important to be able to mix the phantom up with your family because, you know, you, you want to pass it on to the next generation, so I think that's great. And the candle, again, that's, I don't know, I'm not really sure about the smell of it, but I like the packaging. Um, you know, you can, you can probably buy it for your wife. Um, and the secret is for yourself. Yeah. Well, you will. You know, you can probably buy two. You can have <laughs> ones for the wife and ones for you. And then when the wife finishes burning it, you you can use it as the cup. So it's, it it always gives you the free reign from the from the wife or the partner or, or the girlfriend to be able to buy the two and get away with it. So, um, yeah, I reckon that's a great idea. Um, I agree with you on all three. Um, I don't have any of them, but I, um, I think the puzzles were a great idea and I hope to get those soon. Um, I love the look of the statue. And, um, yeah, I think the candle, you know, being, was released late in the year, but, yeah, it just looks like a really cool little thing. And, um, and, Affordable as well. Yeah, and yeah, that's always high up on my, on my thing. Um, what about you there, Dan? Yeah, well, the the journal, I, I feel very chagrined. You're right, it is labelled um, 80 years and it should have been in the previous list and I like that because I write, it in, write in it all the time, so that's that's great. Um, uh, there wouldn't the, be any phantom uh, items that you actually use, would there? No, this is one of few and, and I've actually been convinced. I did, did um, was lucky enough to pick up the, the puzzles um, for Christmas, and I've been convinced by people on Facebook that I should open those and do those with the kids, so I'll certainly be doing that. As you, as you said, it's going to be good to have a bit of family time around that. Um, and just make sure that, you know, we open it, tip the pieces out, and I put the box up high up on the top shelf so no one accidentally rolls over and squashes it or anything like that. Um, I was, I was uh, lucky enough to pick up the Atlantis Voodoo Witch Doctor model re-release. I don't think I will be opening that does look very nice up on the shelf there um but for my for my best one um i'm going to say one that you've, you've both already said as well and that's the icon hero statue um well, i haven't got it home yet but i have been into the uh my local comic book shop and um seen mine and we've opened it up and had taken it out of its packaging and had a look at it and uh it is absolutely stunning and so in a fortnight i think after my next pay um, I'll be able to go in there and, and finish paying that off and bring it home, and I uh, just can't wait to do that because it's 
it, it looks really, really good, and uh, looking forward to having that up on the shelf. Mm. And we can all be jealous of you. <laughs> well, I'm getting one. It'll just be you that'll be jealous, right? Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I've learned to live with it. <laughs> You're being an adult as well. Yeah, but but, but um, the, the shop that I said had just opened up um, here in town recently. Yeah, they've got all these statues and they've got all the DC and, and Marvel type characters. No Phantom. It was, it was a bit shocking. Even my wife went there. Oh, rip! I'll be able to find something for me. No. Still found the pop ones, but I already had them, and so yeah, a little bit disappointed with the shop. So um, lift your game. Anyway. Well, this is where you're you're going to now need to just establish a relationship. Uh, this is what I've done at my local comic book store: is just go in there and keep asking for Phantom stuff and let them know that you know when oh, they the, pop the up on their. Right. This is um like a pop pop culture theme shop that's opened up in one of the um. Oh, um, a different one. Sorry. Yeah. yeah okay. Places, yeah. No, no, I was actually in my comic shop today because I ran out of backing boards last night, so I went in there and picked some up um, and then started talking to the woman there. Um, anyway, the best story of 2016. Um, for my mind, it's been mentioned a couple of times already uh, this evening, um, but Nat, Nat Turner and, and Mark of Cain um, were just fantastic. I, yeah, and... Um, and especially in that turn, I just really liked the way um, that whole saga uh, came about. I know um, people were critical about how long it took to, to get it all out, but the story as a whole was great. Probably the um, the, the last little bit, um, like an epilogue or whatever it was, where they, um, what was it, the King of France or whatever they were calling him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, New Orleans. Yeah, yeah that, that, that was a bit of a downer on it, but on the whole... Yeah, it was a very enjoyable story, um, I, and I just love the artwork, and, and that made it for me. So, um, yeah, I'll probably go Nat Turner ahead of Mark of Cain, just. What about yourself there, Dan? Yeah, for me, um, I'm going to go back to my uh, best author for the year, and um, the Christmas, the, the, the three stories that are, appeared in the Christmas special, um, all written by Tony DePaul, and with the three different artists, Terry Beattie and uh, Paul Ryan, in what must have been one of his last stories, if not his last story. Um, and then Mike Manley, who I think copped a bit of flack very early in the piece when he when he first started doing the dailies. But I think um, as a whole, the story reads really well and, and the artwork stands up. So um, I'm going to nominate that as a... And, and it's interesting to hear you say, I didn't know that there was that Baron Khan story missing from that sequence. But I think those three together, um, as, as as three chapters of a story, um, progress progress the the Phantom lineage well, and um, I look forward to seeing a story of that is just um, young Kit in the Himalayan school. Interested to see what happens next with uh, Heloise rooming with the Nomad's daughter. Um, yeah, I, I think that's as a as a trio of stories has worked really well. So that's my. Uh, best story of the year. And there's real potential mm. there um, with with the kids being in their in their um, respective schools, especially um, with Heloise. Um, and you, you mentioned uh, Mike Manley. I think that the Baron Khan story is, is the story where he actually took over, which I neglected to mention. Ah. Uh, so um, yeah, hopefully they. Um, he has he has slotted in very well though. I, th- I oh, think. Right, yeah. um, very seamless, seamless, seamless. Um, you know, like he's 
yeah, just to spin it up if it's 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 come it's come done quite well. And I think that any time a new artist, you know, again again going back to the Siberian interview, the the amount of time he talked about the struggle he had fitting into Wilson McCoy's style and trying to transition that to his own, and he that the King features must have caught flack about who's this new upstart coming in. Um, any time there's a change of artist and the look of it changes even subtly, people are going to get upset about it and uh, they just need time to work into it and for people to, to start to enjoy and appreciate their work. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, think, I think Mike Manley has... I think he's, he's done a great job in picking up the slack. Uh, it's, never, you know, it's never easy, um, especially in the comic strip world. The only real time you take over from an artist is usually when they do... Uh, pass on, unfortunately. Um, I was listening to an interview with someone, I think it was Terry Beattie when he was over in Australia, when he talked about how he um, took over from uh, Ed, Eduardo Burrito, I think it was, um, who briefly did the Phantom Sundays, and how he was saying, you know, it was always his lifelong dream to do a, a, a strip um, comic. And he said, but the problem is, is that the only time you ever take over or only, time, only ever time an opportunity arises is when someone passes on. So I don't think it is an easy um, easy gig to take over. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to what he's going to do. And so what was your best story for 2016, Jermaine? Um, well, I kind of liked all of the ones that you wrote, especially, you know, Nat Turner, Michael Caine um, and stuff like that. But I'll have to go to 1943. Um and as much as I enjoy the shorter length stories, because it's you know it's punchier and it gets through it real quick and stuff like that, I also do like when well written, a longer story, um, when it's written well. And I think 1943 was. Um, to be honest, I can't even remember who wrote it. Um, <laughs> I'm assuming it was probably Clash uh, from uh, John Rassi. Oh, John Rassi. There you go. Um, there's a name that, you know, most people don't really know about. But, um, yeah, no, I really enjoyed um, really enjoyed 1943. It was, the art was good. The story was, you know, the story was good. Um, yeah, so I hope, um, yeah, that's probably my best one for 2016. Again, it was at the start of the year, so a lot of people have probably forgotten about it. Well, hopefully speaking about it now sparks interest. Oh, yeah, maybe I'll go read that one again. That's interesting, Jim, because you've said um, you've nominated Madden for Mark of Cain as your best writer and Druez um, for Mark of Cain as your best author, uh, artist, uh, but then you've picked a, set, a different story for your best story. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Um, <laughs> it's just, I, I just like thought, that. you know... <laughs> No, no, no. It's just that I think as a story, I really enjoyed 1943. I enjoyed the fact, probably the reason that I enjoyed it more was the fact that it was longer. It was, um, uh, you're able to have a little bit more in depth and stuff like that. But yeah. the best, you know, in my opinion, the best writer was the story for um, for that one in the, the art. But, yeah, sure. it's kind of funny how it kind of ends up like that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jermaine, we've still got the floor there. What was your best addition to your collection in 2016? 
Ooh. Anyone who knows me, I, you know, I've always got a few little things going on at a time. <laughs> and when you say little, you mean like huge. Well, to be to be honest, that that nine kilo package uh, hasn't arrived yet, so that might have to be a 2017 best edition. Um, but no, my best, uh, my best addition to my collection will have to probably be original Goffs cover that I, um, uh, that I've purchased. Um, again, like, uh, like a few of us, we've had to lay by certain pricier items. Mm. You know, it's easier to kind of hide big purchases from the, from the wife when you, um, <laughs> do it in smaller amounts over a period of time. Um, but yeah, no. So that's probably been my um, one of my favourites. I'm I don't have a huge art collection. I've got a few few pieces. Um, and arts, you know, it's good because you can display it. But you know, you need to buy frames and everything like that. And you have the wall space. Um, but this will definitely be something that I will be framing. So you know, really happy with that one. Very good. Um, Dan, what about yourself? It's actually been a ridiculously big year for adding things to my phantom collection as it's turned out um if i when i when i sat back to reflect on this and go well what did I, what have i bought over the last 12 months and um the the shelving unit has expanded considerably but if uh, i had to nominate the absolute best one um and and part of part of any of these things is the story behind it i suppose but um I was lucky enough to when it, when I went to the Tweed Regional Gallery and did the art show opening with Peter Kingston, um, uh, he gave me a, um, snake, a copy of the Snakes and Ladders game, which is a prototype version. It's just on cardboard, but it's um, so so not the buckboard and that sort of thing, which is being offered for the for sale. But um, probably slightly larger, I think, than those ones um, on cardboard. As I said, it's sealed at the back with gaffer tape. Um, but it is the the art, you know, uh, the, the the same art on the front, um, and he included with that um, not only all ten of the playing figurines, but also a little uh, cast resin skull ring as well. So, um, as a as a freebie um, for, for going up and and uh, talking talking on stage, uh, so to speak, about the Phantom with him, and, and as a as a gift from that, um, and just the fact that it's um, Obviously, it's not it's not an original artwork, but um, it's a prototype version of the game. Um, I'm pretty happy with that, and to have that added to my collection is pretty sweet. And and we have actually sat around the table and played snakes and ladders as well. So um, it's it's it's, uh, who won Uh, the middle daughter, which was lucky. She's often the crankiest one. (laughs) (laughs) The middle child usually is. Yeah. So, so that was a pretty cool little addition, and uh, I think I probably will get that framed too because you can still you can still play it when you take it off the wall and uh, play on the glass. <laughs> Just don't crack it, no. That's right. <laughs> um, what about you, Stephen? What was your your, your best pickup or best edition this year? My best edition, well, there's um, there's no competition. It's definitely the um, Alex Saviour original. Um, yeah, I haven't put it up on the wall yet. Um, but rest assured it, it will be going up there hopefully this year. Um, anyone who's listened to this over the past year and a half knows how much I love the Savile's artwork, the way he uh, draws the Phantom, he's uh, clean lines, and so 
to get a, um, a, a piece of his original artwork um, was a fantastic goal that is now met. And um, yeah, I haven't uh, got any more original artwork yet, but um, I think when I, when I told you guys about it, you said beware that the, the bug will bite. And um, yeah, it, it will. <laughs> it has. <laughs> yeah. Um, now I'm going to put you guys on. Probably the just, um, I will just say something with, because um, there's a lot of people out there that are getting um, art and posters and stuff. Um, a lot of people do tend to go down the route of um, uh, getting like professional framers, and you know, let's let's make no bones about it. It it does make a huge difference having professional frame, you know, getting it all done and that. But for the some for the people that probably can't afford it, a good alternative is um, uh, measure everything up, write it down on a bit of paper or on um, you know on your computer, on your phone or something like that, and Go to places like Red Dot, two dollars, Shop, or mm. IKEA, and stuff like that, because a lot of them have um, uh, frames for anywhere between you know ten and twenty bucks, and you know you'd be surprised at how many of your original artwork or or posters and stuff like that you you know you you might be able to get framed using something from Ikea or Red Dot and stuff like that. And it will save you a bucket load of money. So, um, you know, I just thought that might be a good point a good point to quickly raise for some people. I will say you're absolutely right in terms of cheaper frames, and, and I've done that for a lot of my posters, but I just I can't bring myself to do that with the original artwork and um, some of the very special prints. You And you end up paying through the nose, I know, but... The peace of mind that I have that I've got a bit of UV glass there that means that the colour's not going to fade and that sort of thing on the original artwork, I I find it hard to go past that. So, um, but yeah, but for but posters and that what, sort of thing, you're you're right. Yeah. What would what would just just so some people are aware, what like because you did that with your Cy Barry original artwork. Sunday, yeah. What, Sunday. What did you pay for your um bit of UV? All right. Frame? Um, my wife right now needs to skip at least a minute. <laughs> forward. Um, that that costs six hundred dollars to frame with um, special UV resistant glass and all the rest of it. So that wasn't cheap. And it, and it, so it was yeah not not exactly it was less but it's you know you're almost paying the same amount for framing than what you actually did for the um for the artwork. Yeah, that's right. I did also get them to mount on the back the um the packaging and, and the provenance sort of thing, um, the receipt that came with it and that sort of thing to prove that it had come directly from Siberia and that sort of thing. So that is, that's on the back of the frame. So that probably cost me a little bit extra as well. But yeah. Um, but that, that's the point that, you know, it, if you want it done prop, if you want it done properly, it does cost a lot of money. Like, oh, it's big like, biggies. Yeah. Meanwhile, you know, I've got a, a, an A2, uh, A2, it's an A1 size poster. Um, that I framed through Kmart for fifteen bucks, so it's yeah. it's hard to justify when you look at it that way. Yeah, and you know, you, I'm, I'm sure there's probably ways around it. Like you can probably buy UV glass or or sheets or, or whatever. And I'm sure there's other people out there that are a little bit more knowledgeable than us when it comes to that mm. type of stuff. But you're right that you know it looks better, uh, it offers more protection and stuff like that. But I think that you know in Especially with things that, like with posters, a lot of people, a lot of time we buy the poster and it just sits in a roll. Mm. Um, 
where it's you know it rolls all well and good, but it you know you can't look at it, you can't display it, um, and stuff like that. So I've just you know I think you know going down to Kmart or Big W or whatever, and if you've got your stuff you know measured up and all that, you can probably um, uh, get a get a fair bit of your stuff displayed nicely. Then the big question is is where do you um, hang it? Where's the wall space? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no. Now, fellas, I'm going to put you guys on the spot here. This isn't something that's on the run sheet. Um, what would you say would be your, as, as members of, of Team Chronicle Chamber, what would be your, your best moment of 2016? And I'm just going to say right off the bat that you can't include the side battery. Something else other than, <laughs> other than the side battery. Because everyone knows that that's... That's an absolute anyone's highlight. So is that from a, a Chronicle Chamber podcast point of view? Um, we'll say podcast slash website. You know, anything to do with Team Chronicle Chamber this year. Um, yeah. you know, that may have led you to do something, or, or you know, you had some great experience as a, a fan and fan because of um, mm. your involvement with Chronicle Chamber. All right, I got, I got one. Okay. Probably my best one is probably talking to people and they said that listening to the podcast either deepened their love for the comic or it was because of the podcast or because of the website they brought this or they did this, they came to this. And, you know, like the fact that, it's you know something like that where you're making an impact with the with the people that are listening to you, you know, and that you know it's actually doing what we intended to be. Um, like there was another one where um, uh, a couple of years ago someone said that they you know they didn't know about Supernova or the Lee Fort Memorial Bengala Explorer Club dinners, and but it was because of what we posted on there that they come to those or. Um, you know, someone, you know, they, they, they thought they were the only person in Australia still reading the comic until they came to the website and realised there's a whole community out there. You know, like those type of stories are probably what, um, uh, you know, makes you all nice and warm and fuzzy in the inside. Very good. What about you, Dan? I know, I know you've said not allowed to include the Siberian interview. If I had to include a precise second of, of the delight that I got from, from being involved with uh, this group, uh, it would be the moment that Siberia picked up the phone and I realised the whole thing was going to work. <laughs> <laughs> Until 15 minutes later when the grandmas got into it. And <laughs> <laughs> it dropped out again. Yeah. And I had, a, I had heart palpitations. Um, and and uh, Patreon people will be able to pick up the transcript of that and see all of the the panic that ensued when that dropped out. But uh, <laughs> no, but I'm not allowed to include that. So um, look, I really uh, I, I probably don't talk to as many people as Jermaine does. Um, so I haven't had those experiences. Um, I really enjoyed uh, the Sammy J interview and the week that followed the the banter back and forth about that um, uh, leading 90s. Phantom fan nerd competition thing that we did, which was cool. Uh, but the, the absolute highlight would have been probably uh, that weekend at the start of December where I went down on the Friday night, we went down to Brisbane and watched Sammy Joe's show and stuck around at the end of the show to talk to him and have a chat. 
And then the next day I went down to the Tweed to uh, go to the opening of the Phantom Art Show down there. Um, and the next on the sun, so that was Saturday night and, and uh, spoke to Dame Quinton and uh, her husband and uh, Peter Kingston and that sort of thing there and as well as Phantom fans around the gallery and followed that up with, on the Sunday with the talk with, with Peter and uh, um, introducing myself as a writer for a Phantom fan website. That was my best possible, here's who I am. That, that was just absolutely surreal. So um, so that, that three-day period was, was a pretty cool period and uh, I owe that to the to the Chronicle Chamber team, so I really appreciated that. Excellent. Um, so when you're talking about um, Cy Barry there, um, something that didn't make it to the podcast, and I don't know if it's on your transcript, was um, in your, in your saying when you picked up and, and, and said hello to things on work. Um, what people might not know is that you know actually tried about three or four times for, for the connection to work, and then when it did work, he, he got you <laughs> for saying that um, uh, you were a bit late. <laughs> that I was late. <laughs> so we did have a good chuckle about that. Um, yeah, and the reason I was late was because he was on the phone and the line was busy. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> so that was good fun. Um, one of the highlights um, of, of the podcast um, would, would be the, the great debate, which, which brought you on board there, Dan. Um, but um, definitely um, speaking with Sammy J, um, both on the on the website, oh, I mean, you know, on the on the podcast, then um, um, then that banter that was going on, and and still now with um, with um, emails coming through, it's great to have that connection, and yeah, getting to meet up uh, with him after his show on um, opening weekend down there at um, the Fringe Festival in Melbourne. Um, but the highlight was actually writing the review. Really, you know, it was great, great fun meeting mm. him. And then, I'm, you know, two hours later, I'm sitting on the, the last platform in, at Southern Cross Station with this little notepad, writing furiously my um, my review for um, uh, for for his show. Um, and yeah, to me, that's a that's a highlight of, of being part of the Chronicle Chamber team. Um, mm. Yeah, getting to do this fun stuff and then getting to write about it and, and sharing it with the world. Um, and, 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 and can I can I just share with you, Steve? What, speaking to him at the, at the end of December, there, like I just mentioned, um, he mentioned the review and he really enjoyed it and he appreciated it. So um, there's a little bit of feedback for you that that he <laughs> actually quite liked it. Ah, well, that's great. <laughs> I, I was very um, supportive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I look forward to seeing the show again as part of the um, Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Um, yeah, so I hope I'll, I'll be able to bring um, Ange along and, and, and meet him again, and, and yeah, that'll be great, I think. Mm. Um, anyway, so to, to wrap up with, what will be our overall reflection on 2016, the 80th anniversary year? Uh, Dan? Uh, okay, so I think 2016, if you, if you take it as a year, uh, and, and 2016's copped a lot of flack over the last few weeks on social media and all the rest of it because of all the people that died and the elections that went the wrong way and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, but if you look at it from a, from a purely fandom perspective, 2016 I thought was, was really, really good. We've already mentioned the, the big range of merchandise that came out and was available. Um, when, when you've got so much merchandise coming out that Jermaine doesn't have all of it, you know, you've produced <laughs> a wide range of, of merch. 
Um, so I thought that was really, really good. Um, the, the changes that we saw at Brew and the way that the new crew have come in and taken over, and I know we've got a, um, a year, a, you know, a year of the Fru crew podcast planned for the future, but um, the, the changes that they've made, I think, have um, really set a new tone for the fandom in Australia in particular and uh, the direction that that's gone. So I think as a whole, 2016 was really, really good. Um, with the caveat that I would say that when you look at 2016 and say, well, OK, so this was the 80th anniversary year of the Phantom and what was the 80th anniversary year like, um, then I would say that it's been uh, a bit of a disappointment, to be frank. Um, I don't know that King Features have done the right thing or, or taken as a, uh, the advantage that they should have taken or could have taken um, of the 80th anniversary um, on, honestly, to have such a small range of 80th anniversary special merchandise available, um, I, I know I didn't pick up the Egmont 80th anniversary special, but um, as a general as a general tone, other than a few media articles appearing around the 17th of February, um, how would you even know this was the 80th anniversary year? Mm. So that was really, really disappointing. Again, with the caveat of Prue's special which i thought was excellent and um a really nice tribute so 2016 excellent 80th anniversary a bit sad i have to pretty much agree with that um like especially when you look at it like um uh like i think for me the biggest disappointing was the fact that like what you said about the media like we saw maybe five ten articles um, about the Phantom, but, you know, there was nothing in the mainstream, like, you know, mainstream uh, comic websites talking about it. King Features released a piddly little article. Yeah. Um, you, you would have thought that maybe they could have hold, held the story uh, and put in a, a frame for the, you know, the 16th of February or, or whatever, um, uh, celebrating it. Uh, they could have maybe, um, uh, you know, as as much as even with even with Fro, you know, you you could have, as much as the anniversary special was good, you would have liked to maybe seen a little bit of more advertising, like what uh, Fro did back in uh, the fiftieth. Mm. Remember with um, like with the little posters and uh, mm. and stuff like that. Um, you know, surely even even like in Australia with. The Phantom being an, almost an Australian icon, you know, it would have been nice to maybe see some uh, some articles in the in, in Channel Seven or Channel Nine or something. Mm. And then, you know, there was one or two in. I think there was one in the Adelaide paper. Um, yes, I think that's there right. There might have been one somewhere else in the Townsville yep. one. I think it was, but you know, there weren't many in the news in the papers either. It and. I, and I don't think all that blame should be labelled at King Features either. I think it was a great opportunity to remind people of the Phantom, especially with um, there's a lot of fans who, or a lot of older fans who don't read the comic or used to read the comic, for, you know, and they stop for one reason or the other. It would have been a, a brilliant opportunity to be able to remind them of the comic and to get them to start buying and reading the comic again. Um, I'll take your point about the 80th anniversary products. Um, I, 
I still think there was a, I still think there was a few, because um, and if you look at it with the apps, the 80th anniversary related products with the other products that were released in the year, that is a fair bit, fair amount of products released in a year. And like I said earlier um, in the podcast, you only have to go back five years where, you know, there was probably one or two Phantom non-comic pieces that you know, that was released a year and a lot of the time it was a, uh, a re-imaging or a, a Blu-ray release of of the uh, Phantom movie from 1996 or something like that. Well, we're uh, just speaking of which, it, that's a, the 20th year or uh, 20th anniversary of the Billy Zane film, so that could have come up a bit more too. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I think there was enough products. Yeah, it would have been good to have more. But, um, you know, would have our wives really appreciated that? <laughs> um, <laughs> probably not, because as it was, we, didn't, we couldn't buy everything as it was this year anyway. Um, so I, I, think, I think I pretty much echo everything that you said, that I think there was a, a huge miss of mm. the opportunity they had with the 80th year. You know, you don't get us... And I know the 80th isn't as big as, say, the 50th or the 75th or whatever, but... I would have still thought it could have been made a little bit more of a, a big deal about, and I think, and maybe a lot of it had to do with the fact that, you know, there was the whole upheaval with of the ownership issues with Thrill and stuff like that. But I still think overall there was, you know, even including outside of Australia, there was a very big miss when it came to celebrating the 80th. Mm. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, well, I've written here. Um, after a troublesome start, Fru did a commendable job getting things back on track. Um, I've got no idea what Egmont did. Um, there's been some decent merch, both high-end and budget for fans to get their hands on. But, um, yeah, little to no coverage in mainstream media. Um, and I've had my little note here that even, I reckon even my wife knew that it was Batman's 75th anniversary um, a year or so ago because that was just plastered everywhere around here. Um, but, yeah, the... I never saw anything on the news. Um, I didn't see anything in the papers. Um, uh, I know, you know, Dynamite probably um, don't treat the, the Phantom as well as I should have, but I, I don't remember seeing any 80th anniversary branding in their stories that featured the Phantom. Um, no. So it wasn't even that. Um, so, yeah, you'd say that 2016 was a good year. For the Phantom, but as an 80th anniversary year, who who would know? It could have, it could have been a lot better. Already. And and yeah. I know it, I hear what you're saying there, um, Jermaine, about. But I, I do pin it back to King Features because they own it. And if and if they, um, you know, if if if, yeah, if Batman 75th, it, but... if Batman 75th flopped, you'd pin that back to DC. So um, I, th- I think King well, I Features think... do. Yeah, and I, I'm not I'm not taking the blame away from King Features. I'm probably sharing it amongst uh, probably all of them. Like I think you know, like, um, like I said before, I don't think Egmont's 80th anniversary comic was their best. Um, they've and they've produced some amazing stuff, and you know they've produced stuff that leaps and bounds of what you know, we've seen, you know, by through in the last, you know, 20, 30 years. 
Um, but you know, the, what they released this year was not their best. Um, you know, in Australia, apart from you know a few little things and you know the fruit, what well, we've already discussed, there wasn't really much in there. Um, there wasn't really anything celebrating the 80th in the Herms comics or the Dynamite comics, especially when, you know, like you look at the Dynamite where they um, cross-advertise their other comics and stuff like that, you know. Mm. Was there anything in any of those? So I think the blame, yes, needs to be on King Features, and King Features probably need to uh, uh, say, look, this is the 80th, we need to push it. This is what we like to see. And, that, and know, that's my point. I think they need they need to be more proactive rather than that that just that one four or five paragraph media release that they pushed out in the week of the birthday. And that, and that crappy designed ADF uh, <laughs> logo. Yeah. Which yeah. was which looked like something you know that was taken straight from the style guide that was done up twenty years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah you're right. That King Features need a you know, pull the finger out, and we've said that a few times, but I also think that a lot of the other people, um, you know, could have done a little bit better as well. Yeah. And, you know, you'd, you'd put that criticism to, to King Features, and I wonder if they'd say, oh, if we did that for the panel, we have to do it for every character that we own. And I'd say, well, yes, you do. If you, if you get exactly. all the characters, <laughs> you should be doing it. Um, because that's exactly right. Yeah. At the end of the day, you know, it's it's within their best interest to sell extra fan yeah, comics and yeah. extra Popeye yeah. comics and extra Betty Boop memorabilia exactly. and stuff like that because it keeps keeps them all in a job. Yeah. Mm. So, Rayo fellas, anything else you'd you'd like to add for the um for a look back at the uh twenty sixteen? Oh, just so that we don't end on a negative, 2016 was excellent as a, as a as a whole because, um, as as I said, uh, the changes in through from Australia from an Australian point of view, the the vast range of merch that we saw, which we haven't seen before, and Jermaine's made that point, um, and the uh, the new things that through in particular are trying. I think it was a, it was a really good year for the fandom, and the quibble about maybe the 80th could have been pushed harder, you know, that's disappointing, but it was a really good year mm. to be a Phantom fan. I'd, I'd like to see more stuff um, in the like in the man cat shops. I know, I don't know if there's lots of new or Granny May still things going on, but um, I'd like to see more fan products in those man cave type shops that are, that are around in man mm. centres. Um, so we've got mm. all this merchandise coming out now. Let's get some more out there where, where people who may not be, you know, who might not listen to the podcast, who might not be collecting the... the the, the comic are going to see it. So um, mm. until I know people keep saying that we're in a, in a golden age of the Phantom, until we get back to seeing you know like the Davenport stuff or and Skanston or all that stuff that we used to have back in the nineties, uh, we're not quite there yet. I think we're getting there, but um, we're on the right track. And like I said, twenty sixteen yeah, is great. Definitely, but there's always very good point room, room for improvement. Sure. Yep. Right. Yeah. So. It's been great, fellas. Anything you'd like to add there, Jermaine, or you happy with us? No, I reckon let's end, and I reckon we might even be under 100 minutes for once as well. <laughs> well, well, we'll soon find out. I'll, yeah, I thought this was going to be a quick one. For a while there, I thought, oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're plowing for it. But then, uh, as what usually happens, we um, <laughs> we, we get onto a point and, and, and we talk about it for a long time, which, which is kind of <laughs> happening when, we, when we're talk, talking Phantom. Because um, what else is there to do? Then? 
I suppose watch the cricket, but um, it's not on at my time. Oh, we got the big bash, but I haven't seen any of that yet. Can, can I just can I just give a quick shout out to the big bash? They spent a lot of time talking about the phantom uh, in last night's game, was it? Did they? Maybe maybe the night before because one of the bowlers had a new ball apparently called the phantom, and they spent a long time trying to work out. Uh, it took them ages to get to the ghost who walks, but uh, it came via Bill Laurie's nickname, and then none of them knew who Devil was or whether he was a dog or a wolf. And uh, but but the Phantom did come up in uh, the Big Bash commentary about oh. two or three nights ago. Oh wow! I might have to try and get a copy of that. <laughs> well, what, I'm hey, sure someone's you know someone's got it somewhere on. Uh, I'll I'll look it up and get to you on Messenger. I think it was a Scorchers game though. Um, uh, yeah, there's there's a it, it was it was fascinating because they they were talking to it might have been Brad Hodge on the mic and they said we understand that the bowler's got a new ball called the Phantom uh, can you get him to bowl it and then the next ball the you know he was all mic'd up and the captain walked over to the bowler and said the commentators know you've got this Phantom ball can you go and bowl it and uh, the uh, no he said the, the captain said make sure you don't bowl it <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the bowler said yep righto. Walked back and uh, came in. Uh, it was a, a knuckle slower ball, and it went into the second tier for six. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it may not come back. <laughs> uh, anyway, on that note, I hope everyone's enjoyed the um, the podcast just as much as we've um, enjoyed um, uh, producing it for you. Um, and so, until next time, happy fandoming. Fandoming. Yeah. I was just saying, Dan. When um, can you hear us, Dan? Mm. Hello. Can, can you hear, you hear us? There's a muffle there. Only four X's. Is he drunk? Are you hearing a muffled sound? Yeah. Get your hand, get your mouth off the four X. Can you hear me? Yeah. Matt yeah. can't hear you. Matt, still muffled. You got the cord plugged in the right hole? <laughs> you hear him having a go back, can't you? But you can't, when I'm, you can't understand what he's saying. Yeah. <laughs> got the cord in the right hole. Oh, you can't hear us. Yeah, maybe try a re-ring. Still still oh, here no, is. I did not have the. Yeah. Uh, I did not have the cords in the right holes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, boys. So that was. <laughs> so I was. The reason I was muffled is because you couldn't hear me through my headphones, and I couldn't hear you because the microphone's not loud enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
it's well, it's good to get the um the joke reel at the end out of the way nice and early. <laughs> you have to turn you up so people can actually hear the boop 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 boop. Did you have that recorded, Steve? Uh, it should be. Hang on. <laughs> yeah, it says recording a call, so it should all be there. Oh dear. There we go. How's that? Good. That was good. I enjoyed that. You're simply.